Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Italian stallion, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available on podcast.com, Apple iTunes, Samsung Play Store, tune in and wherever you get your podcasts from. And we all do this for our beautiful sponsors at Magpies Waitara and the Sydney Bears. It's a pleasure to be joining you this evening. My name is Dom Rizzuto as we continue our journey of plenty of sporting action and podcasts for your ears, extra special content for you to enjoy just before our weekly show on a Friday night. Tonight, it is all things football, and we're talking about the second biggest footballing tournament on the world, some would say, the women's FIFA World Cup, which begins this Friday in France. Of course, He's already pointing at me. He wants to get a, he wants to get his voice in. I know. Don't worry, sir. Calm down. Your introduction is coming. Of course, he is the raging bull, the godfather. Well, quite like him, after me, is a man of many nicknames. Anthony the Ball Caruso. Good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Dom, and good evening, everyone here. What a, what an amazing event, and what a revolution we have seen in women's football over the last eight years. We, it was a sign of things to come in 2015 in Canada. What a what a spectacle it was! Um, seeing sold out stadiums for the Women's World Cup. It's back on. It's in France, and uh, geez, we couldn't be excited for this one for this tournament here. Exactly right, and we've already seen uh, how much buzz there is around this tournament. The Matildas played last. Last week in the Netherlands, uh, excuse me, a few days ago, I should say now, in the Netherlands, and you saw this amazing crowd that turned out to see them. Um, We've seen a couple of club games in both Juventus, Turin, and in uh, in Madrid, but have seen record crowds attend domestic league games. So those are really good signs going forward for this tournament. Now, the tournament starts this week. There's 24 teams uh, that have qualified for the competition, a nice healthy amount. None of this 48-team rubbish that we've been hearing about lately that's been scrapped, thankfully, for at least for the next four years. But 24 teams in this competition, Australia right in the mix. And would we could say even here, we might be a little bit biased, a genuine title threat in, in, in France. Um, excuse me, we, you know, we've seen football achieve amazing heights over the last five or six years, Crusoe. And I think this tournament is only going to make it better. Absolutely. And we're seeing this tournament being the start of a new generation of footballers coming through. And a couple of things to note about some of the players that are coming through. First off, a lot more media savvy. So they are a lot more comfortable in front of the camera, a lot more comfortable in terms of getting engaged in the in the publicity of the game itself. But what we're seeing is a new level of athleticism as well. Some of the players that are going to be talking coming through, we'll be talking about some of these players um, when we go to our previews of the groups, um, but they're not the female footballers of old. These are athletes. They are agile. They're quick. They're showing genuine strength. And we're seeing them score goals that would normally be considered men's quality goals. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing how much it, how far it's come, and, and it's all off the back of uh, players who have you know taken their games to the next level. Now, tonight, we'll be covering off all six groups that make up the FIFA World Cup and look at the key individuals in those squads. Uh, for this tournament. So let's get 
right into it. The whistle has blown, Caruso. Let's start off with the hosts, France. Indeed. The record in the World Cup uh, has been patchy um, throughout their history, but um, they've developed a strong record as of late. They, they finished the quarterfinals in Canada in 2015. Uh, they finished in fourth place in Germany 2011. Um, they've got a couple of star strikers to really watch out for. In Eugenie Lassoma, uh, she's in the prime of her career. Uh, she's part of an incredibly strong Lyon women's squad. Now, what should be known with a couple of these European uh, nations is that they gen- tend to congregate a lot of their star national players into one club and we're seeing that with France in particular with their congregation around Lyon. Yeah, this uh, Lyon team, obviously they've been champions for uh, a number of years in the in the French League. Uh, Wendy Bernard is in charge and of that team. Obviously, she'll be marshalling that defence, but don't be surprised if she heads forward for set pieces, a real danger in the air. She can she can score the odd goal there. They consider Wendy Renard, if you wanted an equivalent from the Australian, from the Socceroos, for example, it'd be the equivalent of a Tony Popovich in his prime. Very strong defender, but yet throw him up there for every now and then because he is known to score goals off the head in the, at the corner. Second team, South Korea. South Korea, um, this is the third time that South Korea have qualified for the FIFA Women's World Cup. They finished in the round of 16 in Canada in 2015. They haven't qualified, though, since USA 2003. It is a very young squad. There's only three players who have reached the age of 30. They do benefit, though, from two players who are playing their trade with the English Women's Premier League. They're the midfielders, Jisoo Yun, who's at Chelsea, and Chosu Hwan, who is playing at West Ham United. They've got one problem, though, Dom. They've only picked four four forwards in their um, squad of 23. Yeah, an interesting uh, tactic, one might say. Maybe that's all they have available to them. Perhaps they're going to be playing a side that's going to be playing uh, very defensively going forward. and but to, Or perhaps, you know, as some would say, play the false nine. Well, we've seen the false nine work before. Of course, um, the, for those of you who don't know, the uh, false nine is a, a formation. If you're going to describe it in very layman's terms, you call it a 4-6-0, and you think that's incredibly defensive. But it actually isn't. It can actually be very difficult to play a defender against. Yeah, exactly right. And it's, you know, if it works, it can work wonders. Because we go down to the next team, and it's in it. Uh, sometimes, you know, some would say quite a big team in the world of football uh, a few years back to Norway. It is. They were runners up in the first Women's World Cup in 1991. They won the competition in Sweden in 1995 before recording two fourth place finishes in USA in 1999 and China 2007. Uh, look, they went through a bit of squad renewal after China. Um, they've now completed it. They, I don't think they're going to be that competitive in this World Cup, but watch out for them in 2023, which, by the way, could be rumoured, could be heading to Australia. So watch this space here. Um, their starting goalkeeper, Ingrid Helmsmith, has confirmed that this will be her last international outing. Um, they still retain the striker, the services of their striker, Isabel Herlovson. Their issue, though, is if she goes down, they've got no strikers left. Like South Korea, uh, there's a real question about whether they're going to be able to score goals and if they can adjust to that and not having the, her in that lineup. Well, it will remain to be seen, but obviously uh, tricky times ahead for Norway as we go down to the final team of Group A. It's Nigeria. Yeah, they've qualified for every World Cup since the beginning, but they've only gotten out of the group stages once, and that was at USA 1999. Uh, they've got a couple of very experienced players. Onomi Ebi, who uh, has played in the Chelsea 
um, system. They've got Faith Michael, who's been a very strong player for them over the years. The startling stat is the age of the players at the other end. There's a quarter of the squad under the age of 21. It is incredibly young. I think they'll struggle. But keep an eye out on them over the next eight years. This is similar to when Germany uh, trotted out their lineup in the 2006 World Cup that they hosted. You might remember it was a very young squad, and everyone said, look, they're not going to go well. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of pundits who knew what they were talking about saying they may not win it this year, but mark my words, they'll win it they in will. the next, and they, and they did in Brazil. Exactly right. And again, it would be great to see uh, this young squad at least pull a few upsets, and they've definitely got the ability to do so. And as we go, let's go down to uh, our next group, Group B, and where we start off in Group B with one of the massive favourites for this tournament in Germany. Oh, wow. Two-time champions. They won it in USA 2003 and China in 2007. They ended a runners-up finish in Sweden in 1990. I swear, I'm talking about the men's team here. <laughs> but it is actually the women's team. If you think the men's are good, you've got to see the women. They are brilliant. They'll go in as clear contenders for the World Cup, but they enter with a new coach in Martina Vos-Tecklenburg. Um, Steffi Jones... Um, Departed by mutual con, um, uh, yes. consent. Yes, mutual. The, the key word in any uh, managerial departure. Um, look, their squad has been built uh, around having one of the best midfield units in the world, and it's headed up by you know players such as Lena Gobling, Jennifer Marazan, Alexandra Pop, and Zara Jatbridz. Wow, what a what a midfield lineup this is! This is this is the equivalent of having Spain's um, incredible line uh, midfield. You know, the likes of any oh, I don't know. Would you call Iniesta a midfielder? I guess you'd call yeah. him a bit more of an attacking midfielder. Xabi, Xavi Alonso, Busquez. Um, you know what a what a midfield that that's going to be. They're, they're imposing. They're tall. They're agile. Um, you know. If I've got any criticism about this German lineup, it's, it's their lack of an out-and-out striker to finish off the chances. Um, may, that, that will be made. But Marasan and Pop, they certainly can score goals. This is another team that you, you wouldn't see them out of place potentially playing a, a false nine structure considering the quality that they do have in midfield here. Yeah, again, it's, uh, if, it, if you're not bringing strikers along, you could see this happening. Um, but again, their main, if you've got a midfield like this, the main sorts of goals are going are gonna to come from that area of the field. Um, and I think a lack of striker won't be too much of a hindrance to this German side. Go down to the second team in this, comp in this group, so excuse me, China. They've hosted the competition twice. They've made the final four on two separate occasions. Uh, unlike their men's team, who are known to be a bit of um, a couple of whipping boys in the uh, in in on that side of the competition, the Chinese women's team are actually quite strong. Uh, they've gone backwards recently because they've had to rebuild their squad following their golden generation. Uh, they have come in with a very inexperienced lineup that have undergone significant changes since their campaign at the 2016 Summer Olympics. But it has to be noted as well that. Their record at the Olympics has actually been quite good, and usually that is an indication of where a team will be um, going forward. And China's record in the Olympics has actually been quite good. So um, don't don't write China off just yet. They'll be competing to make um, to win the group, but we'll see what happens from there. 
Well, we're going on to the uh, next team in the co- in the group. I guess I keep saying competition. In group B, uh, it is Spain. So this will be the second time that Spain have qualified for the World Cup. They're, they're qualifying for Canada 2015. They, they keep getting eliminated in the group stages. Like their male pa- counterparts, they've built up their strengths over the last 10 years. Uh, and just like their male pa- counterparts, you can probably guess what they're playing. Yeah, a bit of tiki-taka football. And it's, uh, it's the Spain way. They tend to keep it... Uh, in-house uh, across uh, all levels of uh, of the sports and it, and it you know but and it'll show and it shows because they brought along four forwards for this World Cup um, and in fact they only have but they only have one streak striker who scored more than 20 goals and that is Jennifer Amoso so they'll be very competitive but again another side that we think are going to struggle to find goals Spain has been late to the party I guess in a way in terms of developing the women competition but uh, credit where it's due uh, in that Barcelona and Atletico Madrid have actually invested into trying to build up a women's competition and and they've jumped come to the party they've uh, they're starting to build something up Jennifer Hermoso has been a shining light for them but they really have struggled um, to really develop some sort of consistency there the final team in group B is South Africa ranked 48th in the world currently I think they are the second lowest ranked uh, team to make um, the FIFA Women's World Cup uh, and I'm sorry to say they will be there making up the numbers. Their only noted goal scorer is actually a defender in Noko Matlu. Um, they will be pretty much on track to receive uh, the Bench and Splinters Thanks for Coming Award. <laughs> uh, well, that is uh, the team for Group B. And Cruz, I actually forgot to ask you, let's go back just quickly on your expert opinion. Who are your favourites to go through both Group A and Group B, respectively. Well, let's let's see what happens here because we might end up being if we have time, we might be able to build up a little bit of a prediction about what's going to happen in this World Cup. So you might have to take a couple of notes on this. Oh, to see well, what let's, uh, well, let's let's uh, let's leave it for now. We'll, we'll go, we'll go down to group, but group. Well, I'll give you the predictions at the moment. So I can tell you now at this stage. I think it'll be France winning Group A. I think they'll win it fairly comfortably. Uh, and I do think that Norway will just squeak over um, South Korea. But South Korea still could make it as one of the third-place teams. In Group B, well, look, there's, there's no questions asked. It will be Germany who goes through. They'll absolutely dominate. Um, I think China will surprise. Uh, I don't think Spain's quite ready yet. I think China will take second place, and I think Spain uh, will be in that third place, and we'll have to see who else comes up afterwards. Well, if it's uh, all too surprising, I agree with those predictions. We go down to Group C, and we start off with the team will all be backing for here on Splinters and it is of course the Green and Gold Australia well Group C has pretty much been marked the group of death and uh, when we go through the rest of the uh, the nations that are in this group and uh, Dom's looking at them at the moment he's thinking how the hell did Australia a seeded country end up with a group like this yeah it's an extremely difficult group to uh to navigate for uh, for the Matildas, um, th- th- this is their this is the, with their lineup that they've got. This is their best chance to win it. Um, they've got it's well balanced. They've got experience all over the park. Uh, the issue of the coaching situation is now. Uh, Ante Milicic has been given free reign with the team. And I think before we go uh, much further, I think we do need to pay a bit of respects because there was a bit of news that came out during the course of the week, of course. Um, Heather, Heather Mills, 
who, uh, sorry, Heather Reid, I should be, uh, apologise, I should be saying, Heather Reid, who is on the FFA board, has a very important role at um, Canberra United, actually came out in the media and has formally apologised on behalf of the FFA to Alan Stagic over the entire handling of the debacle that happened earlier this year. She openly acknowledged that there were incidents and comments that were made that not only were taken completely out of context, but when all things are considered, Alan Stagic was absolutely right. And I think Heather Reid and whoever else was working alongside her, I won't name names, I know who was involved with that, uh, but they have finally received their comeuppance, and I don't, wouldn't be surprised entirely if David Gallup was maybe involved in uh, saying to Heather, hey, you need to go and own up on this. I said this late last week. It was a bit, I just didn't see the, the, the point of this and why they were doing it. Um, I felt that perhaps maybe there was an impending lawsuit that they just wanted to avoid by just saying a quick apology. Stayed choice said that, he said, I just want an apology. He doesn't want to take actions any further. And that's what they've given him. But it's put the... Before we review this squad a little bit more, it's put the FA board under immense pressure because they sacked Sadic. And, and obviously, we've spoken about why they've done it before. We won't get into that now. But they were left with Ante Milicic, who's now got a big task on his hand on actually being successful because going into this competition, we were genuinely really a, a big favour for this competition. But we've had two matches under Ante Milicic and both of them have been losses. So and he's got a lot of work and they haven't been big and small losses. They've been pretty sizable losses. He's got They've got some work to do, the Socceroos. And then the issue has been around their defence. Um, look, we know the team is not lacking in goals, especially when you've got the quality of Samantha Kerr and Lisa Davana up front. Uh, but... They've got Lydia Williams, who's been their goalkeeper forever and a day. She's a quality goalkeeper. She still is a quality goalkeeper. But there are some questions marks, question marks really being raised about the defence of the Australian lineup. I still think they'll win the group, but they are not shoo-ins by any means, especially when we go through the rest of this group as we do now. Yeah, let's uh, let's go on to the next team. And it's uh, one quite close to uh, myself and Caruso, who will probably be our second favourite team's uh, who will be barracking for it in this year's tournament, and it is Italy. Now, this is the first time that Italy have actually qualified for the Women's World Cup since USA 1999, but they are taking this very seriously. A third of the team has, um, comes from the current women's champions. We mentioned Juventus and what they've been doing to build up women's football. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if you want to go see something absolutely amazing, go on YouTube and check out um, the first game that the Juventus women played at the Juventus Stadium. Or I think they call it the uh, Alliance Arena now. I think they now call it. Yes. Um, they had fifty three thousand people turn up to this game. Yeah, it's massive. It's uh, you know that's just a regular domestic game, but you would never expect uh, fifty three thousand people to turn up to, especially for the for the for for, for the women's game in particular. Um, but this squad, though, look, first time as you said that they've qualified since nineteen ninety nine. They come in ranked 16th, but again, a real, a real dark horse. Not just in this group, but in in for the whole comp in general. Well, the reason why, and it's a very Italian thing that we're going to be talking about about this squad, is their defence is brilliant. 
It's it's not. It, we're not talking the BBC that we're used to, we're used to seeing with the men's competition. Their defence is absolutely brilliant. Their challenge is going to be scoring goals. Now, have we heard that before? I <laughs> uh, they do have two recognised goal scorers, unlike the men's team who don't have a single recognised goal. Well, actually, no. They do have one now. They've brought Fabio Quagliarella <laughs> back into the squad. Um, but Cristiana Giarelli and Daniela Sabatino, um, they're both in the lineup. They're not potent goal scorers. They're not at that minimum of scoring a goal every every other match and so it's really a question of who else is going to stand up and score these goals for the Azzurri well another team that um, will will have this issue perhaps we're going to have uh, many goalless draws in France in come Friday next team and it's uh, a real rival for the Miltilders and one that we have quite a a heated uh, history against it is none other than the Brazilians oh they don't like us do they they seriously knocked don't off like their us. perch by the Australians four four years ago in Canada, where a one 0 victory in that round of sixteen match, um, and ever since then it's been, uh, it's been quite a, a fiery, uh, quite fiery relationship. There's been a there's a lot of bad blood between these um, two teams these days. Um, the Brazilians, unlike the men, unlike the men, the, the Brazilian women's they are very physical um they they're in your face they they are not afraid to really go in hard on challenges they're not lacking in goals either they got christian marta and formiga who form uh, a very strong attack and they, they hop back to the days of old where they play a um a trequista structure they have a noted number 10 it's usually marta and christian christian and a formiga usually play in front of her but it's the deployment of a number of a genuine number 10 it's mm. something you don't normally see a lot of in football today no. but it's often i i love watching it yeah it, it, it it's more beautiful watching it this way with that number 10 in there could create space not too many as you said it's it's become a more of a a run and kick game now football these days with players being able to sort of being asked to defend and attack at the same time. Yeah. So you you get don't tend to get those number tens anymore. But uh, I doubt. I still think this side is going to. You know, they may not be the side that they were four or five years ago, but they're still an extremely strong side, full of experience, and will be a real challenge to get over for the teams in this competition. There is one thing to note with this Brazilian team, and their defence has been criticised for being very slow, and especially in the game against Australia, they may be able to get their um, to, to get the better of maybe Lisa Davana. But it's the other striker, Samantha Kerr, quite possibly one of the fastest players in the competition. They are going to have their work cut out trying to pull, trying to bring her and mark her out of the game because she's got the ability to run rings around her. And you've got to remember, that's exactly what she did four years ago. Yeah, she, she did it in a few friendlies back here uh, a few months ago. We'll go down to the final team and probably the, the one side who... Is probably least likely on, on the bookies um, books to uh, qualify from it. It's the fifty-third ranked Jamaica. Well, this Jamaica coming to the Women's World Cup as the lowest-ranked um, nation. Uh, it's the second time that we've seen a team from the Caribbean make any World Cup and be ranked the lowest. Of course, we remember two thousand and six when out of nowhere um, in the men's competition, Trinidad and Tobago made the uh, the world cup and that vision of seeing dwight york 
at a World Cup or something we thought we'd never see. No. Um, Jamaica have made it. It's the first time they've ever made it. Um, they, I, I'm sorry to say they will be making up the numbers. They do have a young superstar in Khadija Shaw who has scored 31 goals from 22 games for Jamaica. That's a de- more than a decent record, yeah, that. Record. She is making a big name for herself in the U.S. college soccer competition for Tennessee. Um, so certainly one to watch out for. Unfortunately, apart from that, there really isn't much to write home about. And it's a real concern, I think, that um, they're going to be facing up against teams of the quality of Australia and Brazil. They may be able to get away with it to a certain extent against Italy, but I don't think they're going to do it. My predictions for Group C, uh, I do think it will be Australia or Brazil topping the group. Who? I don't know because I can tell you now it is going to be that close between the um, the two clubs. It is going to uh, – between the two nations, I should be saying. Um, Italy, I reckon, will finish third, and they would be a decent shout of making it through as one of the third-placed nations. Of course, you mentioned that. For people who don't know, there, I think, is two third-place teams that, uh, that will go through into the qualification of the round of 16 four no no it'll be four it'll be four because six, it'll be six groups yep it'll be six groups um, so the top two from each group will go through Twelve and then four to make 16 four of the be- the four best second placed teams in each pool will then go through to make up the 16 well there you go you've heard it first and four uh, for those wondering what my predictions will be for group C I believe Australia will top the group of course and they will be closely followed by the Brazilians we're going to take a short break here on splinters and we'll be right back with the second half of this show be sure to not run away. You are listening to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM. It's time to hit the ice. You're all about caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Goodall Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune into the bench every Friday Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Good evening and welcome back to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM. This is the Bench Podcast and you can hear us on all various platforms on the home page here at Triple H at www.triplehfm.com.au and we're available on podcast.com, Apple iTunes, Samsung Play Store, TuneIn and wherever you can actually hear us. We're all over the place. You can't get rid of us even if you want to. We love it here and we we're going to keep doing shows even if you don't like it. And we do this all for, of course, our sponsors at Magpies by Tara and the Sydney Bears. Can I, can I raise something with you straight away? Is that uh, you, you, have you caught the Tony Dosen um, disease now? Dub, 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 dot, triple uh, maybe, maybe it's Maybe it's maybe it's coming on. Maybe I'm starting, maybe I'm starting a little bit sweaty. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, you've kind of put me off there a little bit, Paul. <laughs> so, well, anyway. yeah, a little bit of worry, but it's a great, it's a great, um, it's a great bit of fun. Of course, uh, we do have a public service announcement we should bring out as well. 
well, of course, the announcement that um, iTunes will cease to be. That is true. If you uh, haven't been living under a rock and if you've been uh, following the world news, Apple will be discontinuing the uh, music service uh, going forward. Uh, I think that's uh, probably about due. Of course, you are. we're not talking music. We're talking sport. You are listening to uh, Splinters with me, Don Rosetto, and Anthony, the ball Caruso. And we'll let everyone know what, uh, what will happen on Apple, but we will uh, ensure everyone that we will, uh, whatever the new platform will be, Splinters will be there. Exactly right. Now we are jo- talking all things football and all things Women's World Cup. You just heard the first three groups for the competition in France that we've previewed, but it's now time to preview the remaining three, starting off with Group D. And we're going to get right into it, and we're going to mention the first one right off the bat, and it's a real heavyweight for this competition. Again, it's our old rivals, England. Is football coming home? Well, it, it, it almost came home for the for the for the men's, didn't it? In uh, back in Russia, so in 2018. So, how close can the women's get? And what kind of a, a kick in the in the shins would it be for the for the men's team if the women's could get over the line? Well, let, let's face it. England's actually riding a bit of a mini wave at the moment because, of course, after the um, after the men's World Cup, no one thought that they were going to go that well. They ended up doing pretty bloody well, actually. Yes, so, they did. Um, well, I think there's a sense of new confidence. Um, for those of you who don't know as well, Gareth Southgate's actually had a bit of a hand in ensuring that some of the infrastructure that is available to the men is now available to the women as well. So we give credit where it's due to Gareth Southgate and the culture that he's building within the three Lions now. Exactly right. He's done a fantastic job and we expect to see that in this England side in this competition. They've got a new coach this year and it's a very famous name there. Yes, they have. They have brought in, <laughs> well, it is a famous name. It is Phil Neville. Um, he's come in and uh, he's done a really good job with this side so far. They're very physical, old style kind of. Uh, very Phil Neville. Very Phil Neville, as you could imagine. And, uh, and But they've got a very well, well-balanced well squad as well. Yeah, a quarter of the squad are all playing together in Manchester City. We're repeating sort of something that we've seen with, uh, with the French team we mentioned in the first half, uh, a lot of them coming from Lyon, the Italian team, a lot of them coming from Juventus. With the English team, a quarter of them all play together at Manchester City, and there's quite a few of them from Chelsea as well. Now, we need to mention that this will be the last World Cup for long-time captain Steph Horton and goalkeeper Karen Barsley, um, along with star midfielders Karen, uh, Karen Carney and Jill Scott. Now, they're going to have to make the most of it while these um, girls are still in the, uh, in the squad here, but this is their last chance with what has been dubbed a bit of a golden generation for England. Yeah, look, it's it'll be interesting to see if that golden generation can do anything more than the men's golden generation, but they'll be a really strong side. They've been playing really well, the Lions side, um, in their warm-up matches for this competition and have been really, really strong, especially up front, scoring some quite a number of goals. But like you said, they've their biggest experience is... The, the fact that they've got, so their biggest win is the fact that they've got heaps of experience. But again, it's the pressure, you know, that golden generation of being able to win something when they're in a best position to do it. That's going to be the real challenge for this England side. We go down to the next team. We're only going a little bit further north to uh, review this next team, but it's Scotland. Hang on a second, hang on a second, hang on a second. Scotland made a World Cup in football. 
Hang on. Can someone can someone please check? Scotland made a World Cup, you know. Scotland made Scotland made a World Cup. Hang on. Are we back in the eighties? Well, we may you may think we're taking the pulling the leg here, but it's not an it's not an actual joke. This is the first time the Scotland women's team made a World Cup. This is their debut year in France. Absolutely, they've fallen at the final hurdle for the last two qualification process. Where have we heard that before when it comes to Scotland? Well, we'd have to go back to. 2014, 2010, 2006, on and on and on. <laughs> oh, God, it's almost as bad. It's almost as bad. It brings you to tears almost as much as the Australian record when it came to qualifying for the World Cup, although that's been rectified. Thank now, God so. for that. But now, this team. This, this team, it's a very focused squad. Um, that, that means there are very few players who have got less than 20 caps in this um, in their to their names. In fact, they've got five players with caps over 100, and with the exception of Joanne Love, all probably at least have another World Cup in them. Yeah. So plenty of experience gone, gone in with a very um, focused squad of 23. Jan Ross and Kim Little are their go-to players up front. They are very potent. They do have a big weakness, though, and it is the quality of their goalkeeping. It is not up to standard, so don't be surprised if some of the other teams maybe look to take the ball to the air and cause some trouble. Yeah, they, they should, but again, a side that will with a, with a youthful exuberance will have the belief that they can beat any team on their day, and I expect uh, the, the match between their their local rivals England to be as fiery as it is when the, the men's side play as well. I wouldn't mind seeing what the crowd's going to be like at that particular game. I reckon it would be as I reckon it would be as big as mm. say the men's. It would be close to a sellout, but yeah. uh, you've heard it here first. Next side, the third side in this comp, it's a well, a powerhouse in the world of football on the men's team. The women's side, it's not as strong, ranked 36th, but a, a, a country that lives and breathes the round ball game, and it is Argentina. This is the third time that Argentina have qualified for the Women's World Cup, and the first time since China 2007. They've gone on a quite a lean trot, and they've been able to rectify to date. This is the most telling about them. They have failed to pick up a single point from their six matches, and from their six matches that they've played at the FIFA Women's World Cup, they've conceded. Brace yourself, ladies and gentlemen, they've conceded 33 goals. Now, I'm not good at maths, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, that's a lot in the six games. Five and a half goals. But, a you game. Can, but it, it's Argentina have never been able to defend. It's been it's been in their blood to attack and lead goals like a sieve for years. Um, this side, look, they they've only picked five defenders, and that's probably why they leak. And they're probably expecting to leak a few more goals in this year's competition. Um, and only, but well, they've got four forwards, so that uh, that doesn't sum up Argentina for you. Uh, their remaining squad is made out of midfielders. So there you go. Yeah. Um, it's very unlikely that they will prove on their results, but. It, They've, they've got a, a somewhat easy group. Not easy, obviously. They've got they've got England in there, but their remaining opponents aren't as strong as some of the other competitors in this competition. When you think that Italy. Australia and Brazil ended up in Group C altogether. Well, I'm going to call it here. Argentina is my second group to receive the Thanks for Coming well, Awards. There you go. There's, a, there's another prediction there from uh, the Raging Bull himself. We go down to the final team in Group D, and it is a another powerhouse of women's football. It is Japan. The Blue Samurai never should be underestimated, more so in, in the women's game. Um, like, like the men's 
things. They're agile. They're quick. They're everywhere. You do not turn your back on them for a second. Uh, Japan really came of age in the women's game at um, Canada 2015. They actually won in Germany in 2011, so they are, they're riding a high at the moment. Uh, and they possess a team that is arguably one of the most difficult to break down defensively. Um, yeah, if you want to have any issues about them, it's a potential lack of an out-and-out striker. They've got uh, Mana Iwabuchi and Yuhika Sugasawa, uh, only scoring 38 goals between them. Jeez, my Japanese actually came out okay it just It was then. very well done there. So, I have to say, very impressive, especially that uh, it really came out. I was so a little concerned. They, but they will be... there'll be a plate of sushi was going to come out of it. <laughs> Stop it, Dom. Um, they, they will be coming in with the most experienced and effective defence in the competition. They're going to be headed up by Aisamashima, Rumi Utsugi, and Saki Kumagai in their um, in their lineup. That is a brilliant defence. I actually think the defence is better than the Italians and the Germans. Um, so don't be surprised if the Japanese are going to be there or thereabouts. And given the run of form that they've had in the in the Women's World Cup, I think they'll be highly competitive. Yeah, they're definitely going to be going deep into this competition. Uh, a quick tip from me for the two teams that go through, and you won't be surprised, ladies and gentlemen, that I'll be going with the two favourites, and that is England and Japan. But to whoever finishes on top or in, or in second place, ball uh, is is up in the air. I think Japan will finish first. There's there's one of my bolters for it. Japan will finish first ahead of England, and the reason why is I think Japan will have too much pace for England. We go down to Group E now, and it's uh, we could probably call this one the Group of Life, actually, um, with the sides that are in it. Maybe not quite. Uh, there is one further down the track that we can have a look at. But starting it off, it is the hosts of the last World Cup Canada, who are ranked fifth currently in the world. Consistent competitors since Sweden in 1995. They had a fourth-place finish in 2003. But this could well be the last World Cup for a number of their players, especially their veteran captain, Christine Sinclair. And what a record she's got. 181 goals from 282 caps. An incredible stat for a, a player of any player to have, and she's been a mainstay of this national team for a long, long time, and is a real crowd favourite at these competitions as well. Now she will potentially be joined with the likes of Desiree Scott, Sophie Schmidt, Stephanie Love, and Alicia Chapman, uh, who are all expected to announce their retirements from international football after the Women's World Cup. Uh, there's very much um, a case of renewal happening in the works. They've got plenty of defenders ready to go. Uh, now, the problem they're going to have is in midfield because the, with the re- expected retirements of the aforementioned Scott and Schmidt, it's going to leave a gaping hole in midfield. And where they're struggling at the moment is to really find someone who's going to be able to take control of the middle of the park once those two legends of the game announce their retirements. But coming to this World Cup, Canada have shown that they are very consistent, a very consistent team. They've got experience all over the park. I expect them to be there or thereabouts, but this is one of the most open groups in the entire competition. It is, and well, with this Canada side, you would, you would think much like uh, some of the other Golden Generation teams in this competition, go, uh, you would expect to really be giving it a red-hot crack 
uh, in potentially uh, their last uh, years dominating the, the women's game. As we go down to uh, the next team, and it's the lowest ranked team in this competition, ranked at 46th in the world. It is the Africans Cameroon. Now, one of the surprise packages at Canada 2015 were at their first attempt at the Women's World Cup. They made the round of 16. Um, but that gen- generation of players will be coming to an end and their defence has been found wanting as of late, especially with Christine Maine, Augustine Ejagu and Estelle Johnson, along with midfielder Marlies Nago Nabumbok. Um, like Brazil, they play a very physical game. Their question marks is whether they'll be able to keep up in the speed of some of these teams. Uh, look, against the other against the other nations in this group, I think they'll be competitive against Canada. Um, we'll go through the other ones there. I think they'll be competitive there. They're not the worst team to come through in this competition, and they have been known to cause upsets. Um, it's a question about whether they're going to be able to go the distance. Well, like Brazil, they play a very physical game, which can be very taxing on your body when it comes later into the competition. But there's no question marks on the on speed on the speed of this team and the and the, and the physical ability of this team. And they'll again, we mentioned they they provided upsets in 2015. We expect them to provide upsets again in 2019. Excuse me, I forgot what year we were almost in. Next team on the list, and it says our neighbours. This time we're going to talk about ranked 19th in the world. It is. The ladies from across the Dutch, New Zealand. They've qualified for their third consecutive Women's World Cup. They they failed to record a win in that time, but their performance has been improving since that horror run at China 2007 where they conceded nine goals and failed to score. Now, to their advantage is that they have a squad that at least have another World Cup in them, especially with the breadth of experience uh, provided from Abby Erseg, Rhea Percival, Betsy Hassett, and their strike partners in Rosie White and Hannah Wilkinson. Uh, some of these girls from time time do get to come across over to Australia and play in the NPL New South Wales or Victorian competition the odd player also gets to end up playing in the W League so they do get to experience against playing some of the bigger names uh, look don't be surprised if they sneak through to the knockout phase of the competition and as we said uh, if they don't make it through for their first win at this World Cup I reckon they could well do it at the very next World Cup New Zealand will be there they'll be competitive um, will they compete for the competition I don't think they will Will, but I would not be surprised in the least if they make it through to the round of 16. Well, they've got plenty of work to do, and they're going to, ha- and they'll have to do it against two top sides in this group because the last team in this group that is really very strong uh, side that we mentioned at the top of the show that uh, dismantled Australia, the Matildas, on the weekend in their final warm-up game. It is the Dutch. It is the Netherlands. Well, like Cameroon, Netherlands made their first ever World Cup at Canada 2015 where they did make the round of 16 with an incredibly stubborn defence, a defence that will be sticking together for at least another World Cup. Uh, it's made up of the likes of Desiree van Lunteren, Stephanie van der Graat, Kika van Es and Anouk de Kea. Um, they've got a very talented midfield headed up by Sherida Spitz and Daniel van, van den Koek, van den Dook, Donk, I should say. Um, look... We have known the Dutch in the women's competition to be capable of shutting down any team defensively. What makes them scary this year is they finally have some strikers of note with Vivian, Miedema, and Lick Martins scoring a better than a goal every second game. Uh, for mine, this is your dark horse for the Women's World Cup. We only had to look as far as last weekend where they absolutely dismantled the Australians 
uh, in a in really impressive 3 0 win, and they'll really fancy themselves uh, going a long way in this competition. Uh, and kind of like uh, the men's having a bit of a rebirth with the world of football in the last four years. What's your tip for Group E? Well, Group E is real tough. You can't really look past Canada or or Holland going through but they've not got an easy task the New Zealand and Cameroon are both sides that can have World Cup experience have goals in them and if they can stay with the two stronger sides for at least an hour in each match there's no telling which way the game can go and if they can get themselves a sneaky early goal and sit back and just play defensive then anything can happen but my money is sitting on the Canadians and the Dutch I, I would agree with that there. I would not be surprised in the least though if New Zealand does make into second place. So, um, but that is, as we said, that is the genuine. We, we've got our group of life. Group of life is Group C at the moment, but with uh, sorry, the group of death is Group C yep. at the moment, but Group E is the group of life. Yeah, the closest we're going to get to it out of the six groups. Absolutely, sure. a genuine group where all four teams could make the um, the knockout round. Not so much the case though in Group F as we get to the final group to. Uh, of, of the FIFA Women's World Cup of 2019. And we will start off with the defending champions and the number one ranked team in the world. It is the United States of America. you think that the US would be more excited about the Women's World Cup and that the men's would be paying more attention to the way that their women uh, have been playing at the moment because they are absolutely brilliant. Um, they, they went through a very shaky period about three or four years ago in the wake of uh, one of their own players as their star goalkeeper in Hope Solo, who um, was kicked out of the squad and forced into early retirement uh, after she was found guilty of um, very, very violently assaulting her um, then boyfriend. Um, uh, she was kicked out of the uh, other team and the management said, we are going to clean up this um, culture because we want to see ourselves remain competitive and if we have to do it without Hope Solo, well, then we are going to go and do just it, that. And guess what? Well, they've done it. And it's another big year for them in particular because obviously this year, um, it's coming off the back of the pay dispute. Um, a lot of the female players asked, well, took the U.S. football team to court on the on the on the back of uh, une unequal pay, um, which they were unsuccessful for. May I add as well in, in a surprise result. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they where how they'll perform in this year's competition. But there's no doubting that they're still the favourites for the World Cup uh, with the squad that they have. They are the champions of last year. They've won three championships all all over to their name, but this squad is still really, really strong. It is very strong, but it has to be noted that this could be the last World Cup for a lot of players in this generation. And I've got the names of all of the players who are on well past the wrong side of 30. And we, all, we always acknowledge that, you know, once you get past the age of 30, um, it's a question of how many World Cups you've got left in you. And I can tell you now, these are, these players, they're great players, but they're all past the wrong side of 30. Just like the men's, in the women's, you go past 30, that's, yeah, yeah, you're going to be pushing it to make a World Cup. Get this into you, ladies and gentlemen. They're two goalkeepers is Alyssa Nea and Ashlyn Harris. Their defenders in Becky Sarambrun, Kelly O'Hara, and Ali Krieger. They're strike. Oh God, look at this lineup of strikers all past the age of 30. Carly Lloyd, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe, Tobin Heath, Jessica McDonald, and uh, Kristen Press. 
It's a it's a big list, but uh, again, a list of very talented individuals who've all played at the top of their game for a number of years. It's an amazing lineup. But yes, will their age become a factor in their continued success? Well, this, if, if they're going to win another World Cup, it has to be now. It absolutely has to be now because I can tell you now that this team will not be going around in 2023. No, well, especially uh, you know they, you know this. This a lot. Of, it's going to be hard to replace that many players in one quick succession once they all uh, do go away. Um, Carly Lloyd, in particular, is yeah. going to be the big loss for them. The number of goals that she scored throughout her career. How do you replace something like that? Well, it's irreplaceable. Those these players are once in a lifetime uh, players, and it's you know they're hard to ever find again. But what remains to be seen about the US and how they'll perform in France come this weekend. We go down to the next team and uh, not so much to talk about the, this uh, this team here but they're still a strong side in their own right it is Thailand yeah very very much surprised for those who are uh, thinking oh, how's Thailand making a, a FIFA Women's World Cup they're actually not bad in the uh, in the women's game they made the World Cup for the first time back in Canada 2015 they managed to steal a win there uh, but not before conceding 10 goals from their three matches they are in the midst of their golden generation the squad should stay together for a World Cup but I mean it's very doubtful they'll be competing to, to make the knockout phase in this, um, in this, from this group, especially yeah. when you consider the quality in the um, from one of the other teams in this group. Yeah, we will get down to the other team, but first we're going to get down to a debutante in World Cups, and it is the 38th ranked team, Chile. Yes, as you mentioned, first time at a World Cup, uh, very inexperienced lineup. No players have played more than 25 matches. No one scored. For their um, for their national nation, um, that they are making up the numbers, and this is my number third. Thanks for coming. <laughs> number third. Oh, I don't think we're going to get much more. Uh, come, thanks for coming, awards, because the last team is one that is very strong in this competition. They are right ranked ninth in the world. A squad. They're better than that. Stacked full of talent, and as you just heard there from my partner in crime, they're a lot better than what their ranking shows. It is Sweden. Yeah, they're one of the most consistent countries in women's football. They have had a second place to third placings. Sweden aren't known for being a very dynamic team. They've only scored on average 1.75 goals a game um, and only conceded 1.5 goals a game but going to be sure that within the knockout phase they're going to be one of the most difficult teams to break down much like the Dutch a very strong defense they've selected a well-balanced squad their challenge will be completing the renewal of their squad that finished third back in Germany 2011 uh, this comes in the form of the defense in midfield with goalkeeper Hedvig Lindahl defenders Linda Sembrand and Nila Fischer midfielders Kosovara Asli Lani and Caroline Seeger expected to hand over the reins after this World Cup. There's a lot of renewals that are going through this um, the squad. They haven't got many goals in the squad, but geez, I'll tell you what, uh, you want to talk about strong defenses, here's another, here's another one. And I think, you know, if any team is going to really stand the US up, it will be Sweden. And um, don't be surprised if um, USA find it hard yakka to get past um, the Swedes. Probably, uh, we'll probably say our second dark horse for the 2019 competition. So you're suggesting from 
Group F, it will be, of course, the Americans and the Swedes yep. going through. And I don't see Thailand or Chile going um, going far either after that. So, uh, so let's go. Why don't we go through and we'll go through and pick out who our um, our finalists will be, and we'll try and work out who we think is actually going to go on to win the thing. So we've said Group A. We I've picked uh, I picked France and Norway to make it, and I think. South, we're going with South Korea for third place. Yes. Uh, in Group B, we are. I've called Germany and Ch- I've called China for second place. Okay. Well, interesting call. I'm going to go with Spain. Gonna for keep, second keep place. The European, uh, keep the European. Uh, Contingency going. In Group C, I am calling uh, Australia and Brazil with Italy to finish third. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, in Group D, I am call. I, I was going to be calling Japan to beat England and Scotland to finish third. I'm going to flip that around slightly. I'm going to have England over Japan, but of Scotland finishing third. In uh, Group E, it well for me in the group of life, it will be Canada ahead of the Netherlands, and I'm calling New Zealand for third place. Yep, I think I can't say. It. Agree with you more there. And then USA and Sweden, no surprises for Group F. And it'll be a coin flip between Thailand and Chile. But I don't think – I think the two groups that will miss out on a fourth-place team making it will be Group F. I don't think they'll get a fourth-place team going through there. And I think the other group that won't get a fourth-place team um, going through – well, this is going to be a, this is going to be a very hard one. This because this could end up being quite harsh, but it could well be either Group D or Group E. So it will be one of those two. Could well be between, and I'm calling it between either New Zealand or Scotland that could end up missing out as the last team, and it could be very unlucky for either one of those nations. What would be your one major prediction out of this? Coming World Cup, what what something's going to happen? Do you think is going to happen? What would be your prediction? I think Australia, for all of the all the opportunities that they've had, I think Australia could well end up blowing it in the semi final and end up then losing the third place um, playoff. Uh, and the, the only reason why I could see that happening is that they've gone in with expectations fairly low. They've built themselves up. They're building themselves up. But I'm just getting a little bit worried with the Australian team that they're starting to believe their own height against the more disciplined nations, um, they are going to cave and you will see a repeat of that defensive performance against the Netherlands. My one little prediction from this World Cup is Sam Gurr is going to walk away with the golden boot. Well, that is full-time. And that would be justice as well, considering she should have won the the women's Ballon d'Or earlier this year. Well, look, it it was a tight affair, but yes, she was definitely worthy of it nonetheless. As I said, this time it is full-time. Thank you for listening in to our Women's World Cup preview on Splinters. I'd like to thank my partner in crime, uh, the godfather, the raging bull, the bull, sometimes the Italian stallion, Anthony the Ball Caruso. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Dom. It's been a pleasure to be back on uh, Splinters. It's been a while, but uh, it's always a pleasure to come back on here. So Remember, you can catch us on all different podcasts, uh, platforms across the across the, <laughs> uh, the internet to web uh, podcast.com apple itunes for a limited time only as we've mentioned samsung play store tune in and wherever you get your podcast of course we do this for the beautiful sponsors that are magpies by tara and 
the Sydney Bears. And But make sure, again, that you join us every week because next week, football continues. We'll be talking about all things European football. My name is Dom Rosetto. It's been a pleasure to be in your company once again. Until next time, this has been Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Stay sharp and play pretty, folks. Good night. Good night.